0: Live
1: and on lockdown. Are you ready? ready? Ready, ready, ready. Broadcasting from Edinburgh, Scotland and across
0: the globe. You're listening to Ramsey Unleashed, going beyond borders podcast. The host, Fraser Ramsey. Hey, this is Afia Lethem, creator of the Frame Your Day app, helping you walk out every day in victory. I'm proud to be a sponsor of Ramsey Unleashed. Going beyond borders. Hi, this is Zakia Ringgold from NaturalSoapByZakia Proud sponsors of the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast.
1: Good day, everybody, and welcome to our edition Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders on DoublemintRadio dot com, uh, Double Radio new station. Uh, basically, four weeks now, uh, four weeks down the line here, and we're basically got some good programs on the platform already, uh, some great shows, and uh, yeah. It's a new 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 challenge, new start and going forward uh, on Doubleman radio. Uh, but you're listening to the Ramsey Unleashed, Going Beyond Borders, where I interview people from all over the world, whether it's local uh, or across borders basically. Uh, and that's the basically what who I what I do. The aim is to interview people from different backgrounds of inspirational stories, people who come from nothing or had challenging challenging situations in their life, and basically to uh, hear their story and how they came through it. Uh, and this is my next guest, there's a similar story to my, a very similar story to my last guest, uh, which um, was Chanel's, uh, not my last, a couple of guests ago, Chanel's pencil, um, but um, you will uh, basically, a uh, very similar background, but they are related in family down the line, but uh, you will hear that from my guest. So I welcome Alexandria De Leon to the Ramsey Unleashed Going Beyond Borders podcast, how are you doing?
0: Hello, I'm good, I'm alright, how are you?
1: Yeah, no, I'm good, good. So have you, you're obviously not a novice to podcasting. Have you been on podcast shows before?
0: Um, This is my second time, actually, so I'm right. I'm still a, a baby in this, so yeah, be gentle with okay. me. Mean. <laughs> That's
1: cool. Well, pretty chilled, pretty relaxed. Uh, some people structure podcasts to the hill, and they'll ask, you know, just like go with the flow, the end of the day. It flows, going with the flow tends to be better. It's more relaxed, no need to no need to be stressed, about it's like some people get when you quit set questions, oh no, kind of thing, <laughs> just, hey, just go with the flow, let it happen, that's oh, the right. best way let it happen, so let's, let's talk about now. people know, I've listened to my structure of my show before, they listen to, attend to that, just talk about the sort of start, middle, end of people's lives, I mix and match it a little bit, but I'm going to talk, let's talk about what you do now, and talk about just a just general, what is it you do, and go from there.
0: Um so i'm currently a fundraiser, so I work for um a charity, and we are like a grant giver, so we raise money to help out um charities that nationally to um support themselves. These are small charities that are finding it really hard to raise the funds and we bring i guess we shine a spotlight on them, and we do that through um our platform, so we have a a huge connection to um the biggest sort of stations across the uk so commercial stations so that mm-hmm. obviously helps to kind of bring a bit of i don't know i guess a bit of like notice for these charities so that's i'm a part of that so i help to raise money um i'm also a mother of three so that's pretty tough i've got a 16 year old a seven year olds and a six year old. so quite uh, demanding and yeah. varied ones my oldest is a son and i've got uh two daughters so it's a lot of work there, but um but yeah, and, and apart from that i'm i guess i'm I'm a trauma survivor I'm somebody who likes to meditate now, never thought I'd say that in my life. I'm someone who loves to run, never thought I'd ever say that either um I'm someone who likes to do yoga, never thought I'd ever say that either, so yeah, I've kind of picked up a few things along the way that have helped me to cope and to be a little bit calmer um in my busy sort of life
1: okay, that's brilliant, well what we'll do is well. We're going to start talking about the how all of this came to fruition uh, because, obviously, usually not nothing starts or happens, just uh, for the sake of starting and happening, happening you know I mean? It's usually a reason why you start it. So let's say, uh, tell us where where you're from and tell us a bit about your background of growing up, school life, good, bad, indifference, and the challenging and what's been going on in your life.
0: Yeah, so I was born in New York City, actually, Um I know you can't tell by the accent, but I, yeah. um, I've lived in London since I was about seven or eight. Um, so Very my mum met my dad there. So my mum was born in London, actually, and um, my grandma was from Jamaica and she moved over to London during the Windrush. And then she moved over to New York City when my mum was a teenager. So it's a bit of a lot of displacement and moving around. Um, and then I, my mum and dad met each other, got married, had me, and they got divorced when I was about four years old. I went to school there for a little bit um, and then I came over to London so my mum just had enough of of living there and was like I'm just going to move and I think for me personally it was I don't know who I would have been if I lived there so that would have been a completely different personality but I like the me that I am here Um, I like the life that I have here Um, I went to school so I grew up here so I'm pretty much ingrained in the London way of life and the the British culture I suppose in that sense Um, I do have both passports so I don't know if, you know, that kind of makes me eligible to, for someone to want to marry me. But um, yeah, so it's quite it's quite good in that way. Um, but growing up was really tough because I think being separated from my family was one of the hardest things. And I don't think I actually realised that until later on when I was having counselling. And my counsellor said to me, you've probably been suffering from PTSD from having that separation and not having, So I don't have much family here at all. Right. Um. And also with that, growing up with my mum was pretty traumatic because she was physically and emotionally, mentally abusive to me. Right. So in a lot of ways, um, it's very difficult when to explain to someone that I don't really have a connection to my mum. And I'm sure there are a lot of people that probably can identify or understand what I'm saying, but a lot of people don't. So, you know, when it comes to Mother's Day or it comes to, you know, I see people on how close they are to their mom and it's I I look at that and I think wow that must feel really amazing because I don't have that feeling like I don't we don't we speak now and and I think I've come to a place where I've I've forgiven her for for that side of things when she was younger she had me at 19 so I can only imagine how like frustrating and how tiring and how you know kind of I guess life-changing that is at that age because you're still a teenager and my son's only 16, so she was three years older than him. I look at him and I think, there's no way in three years I would want you to have a kid because it's a lot of it's a lot of responsibility. So I can imagine that was a big strain. And, and obviously in the 80s, there wasn't, I guess, a lot of sort of help with childcare and stuff that you have now. So maybe having to put your career on hold and that kind of stuff was a really, really tough, challenging thing for her. I don't want to necessarily like kind of excuse her behaviour towards me because I feel like You know, she made a choice in that way. But she was also, um, she also was a victim of abuse from her mum. Her mum had hit her. Her mum was, yeah, so I guess that that was that cycle, that that just sort of replayed itself with me. Um, And I think it was really tough. She was really strict. So a lot of the things that most teenagers were allowed to do, like, you know, go out and see their friends or hang out, I wasn't allowed to do that, was I had to come home um, I was hit often, so I think all of that made me have low self esteem, and just meant that I sought validation out externally. So I was always people pleasing. I was always looking for, I guess, a mother in some way and other people.
1: Right.
0: And so, oh, sorry.
1: How, no, I was going to say, how long did the? Uh, so, well, obviously, we're starting quite young. I mean, with the sort the, the abuse, how long did mm. it sort of eventually? calm down or stop kind of
0: thing um as you got you know older to- yeah as i got older i started to fight back a lot more so um and it became very combative so by the time i was like 17 my mom kicked me out so i had to go i lived in a hostel for a few months it was just before i was turning 18 right. so i lived in a hostel for a few months and then as soon as i was 18 they're like right you're an adult now so you have to find another like kind of hostel to live in um So, yeah, I guess it kind of, it sort of ended there when I got kicked out really, because it was like, because we were just arguing constantly back and forth all the time. Um, But I was, yeah, I had to like rely on friends' sofas for a while because I was in between places. So I think sometimes that when people think about homelessness, they think about you being on the streets and outside, but sometimes homelessness actually is like not having your own home and having to like go between different friends' houses and different situations like that just to kind of have somewhere to sleep. So that was my sort of thing for a while. Then i managed to get a hostel and I think that's I guess that's where that sort of relationship ended there because I stopped sort of speaking to her and I kind of started to live my own life and go in my own direction.
1: How did that affect your education?
0: Massively because um, I i think I, I would have loved now to I mean I, I went to uni studies but I had my son at that point but I would have loved when I was 18 to have been able to go off to university in manchester or scotland or wherever and i think that that relationship and that situation really robbed me of that in some way um it hasn't defeated me but i i think my childhood, like my teenage years and plus i had younger sisters as well who were 13 years younger than me so i was kind of like a mum to them so i felt like a lot of my teenage years a lot of stories that my friends have and share and their 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 lives are just completely different to mine. Like I don't have, I have some stories that are fun and and nice, but not as much as they they would have done as a normal teenager.
1: So how how old were you when you had your son?
0: I was twenty when I had my son. Twenty. Right, 20. Okay. Yeah, so I had to grow up real real fast when that happened.
1: So that was that. I'm guessing that was probably during the was the first when your first relationships coming up with obviously whatever's the kind of going on.
0: Yeah. So So
1: I was, yeah. So carry on, on. you're talking about your family, the kids.
0: No, no, I was just saying, yeah. So that resulted in, because I met um my son's father when I was about eighteen, and yeah, jumped into that relationship, and that relationship was also abusive, physically, verbally, and mentally, as well.
1: Do you think there's a? I don't know if it's a a random question. Obviously, that usually when there's abuse in somebody's life, then it trickles down to their kids and so on. Mm Do you think maybe is there? A, do you think there's a way in some way that if you've been through abuse, you somehow attract an abusive partner, maybe or abuse somehow without even knowing it? You just somehow naturally yeah. attract, but it's not meant. to be just attract it for some reason.
0: Yeah, I think you do, and I think the reason why is because at that particular time, I my self-esteem was low, and I was looking for like a I guess a mother figure or someone who I could I guess I was a needy person so I just needed someone who could give me the love that I was craving for myself because I didn't necessarily love myself that much at that particular point so I entered into that relationship because it was somehow familiar subconsciously I think in a way like just being spoken to badly being hit that was something I grew up with my whole life so I think for like it was in some way it was comforting because it was kind of like okay well I guess you love me because you treat me like this. So, hmm.
1: okay. So, where did well? How long were you in that relationship for?
0: Um. So I was in that relationship for I'd say. my son was two. So about six six years. And
1: how bad was the abuse?
0: Um, it was pretty bad. There were times when, like, if I'd go out, he would like, not allow me to sleep in my own bed. And there's one time when I was on the sofa and he just poured water over me and wouldn't let me sleep because I came back late. So it's like if I'd go go out or had any type of life outside of him, it was pretty bad. One time he stabbed me in the arms with keys. Um, He ripped my wing mirror off my car because I'd gone out. I dared to go out. Um, He slapped me in the face, had, like, had a toy thrown at me, bloody nose. Um... Beaten with a belt, uh, strangled—just a lot of various things that happened during that relationship.
1: Six years of that, that is hard going. Mm-hmm. And you must—I mean, what with low self-esteem, what would you I mean? Try to carry on with your normal life? To go out and I mean to have low self-esteem? I mean, it's not easy when you are feeling just like rock bottom. I mean,
0: yeah.
1: Living—I mean, tell us an average day when you wake up. What's your sort of routine in this kind of scenario?
0: Um, so in that at that particular time, um before I mean before before I had my son, luckily I was working. So I think that gave me a sense of I guess a bit of freedom and a little bit of confidence because there were people there that I met who liked me and they liked me for the person that they saw in front of them. So I think that kind of warmed me up a lot and I and I've kind of felt like, okay, well, there are some redeeming qualities, there are some good things about me in there somewhere that people can identify with. So that was a, a plus. And I was also young as well, so it was nice to, like, go out and go out drinking and, and exploring, like, clubs and stuff like that. And, and it so it was, a, it was a nice time in that sense. But then I think there was always a dread always about my ex-boyfriend because he didn't interact with any of my friends. He was always disparaging about everyone, didn't like anyone. And so I was always kind of torn between, you know, wanting to, like, be young and, like, live my life, but then also having to kind of maintain a certain sort of persona for this particular person who i was literally just always walking on eggshells for couldn't really anything i said it was picked apart and questioned so it was it was i was a nervous wreck a lot of the time if i'm absolutely honest i was a nervous wreck because i was just a shell of myself in some ways because i couldn't be myself with this particular person
1: so let's say half six years later what what was the opportunity that got you out of this one
0: um, so it was a, an incident where I can't I can't remember how it started, but probably something I'd done, and I think I just I saw I think I just lost it at that particular point because my son had been born by that p- point and he was two, and it was just constantly ongoing, and I, there there were seldom times I'd, I'd never phoned the police, so there's only probably about three times I've ever phoned the police in my life with this situation. I think the the straw that broke the camel's back was it was just. A horrible attack and it was like with a belt and just all sorts of things. And I just remember going into the kitchen and I had a knife and I cut him in the hand. And I remember I called the police because it was just that was a moment of like where he kind of was in pain and he stopped. I called the police, and then you know, the police came around and then they arrested him. And I remember the police officer saying to me, you know, think about your son, you know, you being in the situation. And how mm. keep on, if you keep going through this, like, how is it going to affect him? And I think I just really was so tired at that point And I was emotionally drained. And I just, I think that resonated with me a lot. And I just felt like, I, yeah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I needed to to get out. And, and that was kind of my aha moment or my light bulb moment where I was like, this is, do I want to be in this for the next six, 10 years? Or do I want to just get out of it now and, and deal with it?
1: Where'd
0: you go next? So I ended, I just told everybody. I told everybody what I was going through because I didn't, I kept it a secret for a really, really long time. I didn't talk to anyone about it because I just felt only one of my friends knew about it really. But I told my family, I told my cousin um, who lived here at the time. I spoke to um, my mum as well at that particular time because we were speaking again after my son was born. Um, And then I, just sort of, I guess, like spoke to his family just to kind of try and bridge a gap between them having my son and trying to deal with, like, you know, him seeing them and stuff like that. And then I, I decided to go to uni. I was like, you know what, I am, I want to, I want to go to uni. So I, I applied for university and I ended up doing a, an English degree because I loved English, loved poetry, loved reading. So I thought this was a really good fit for me. So I, I ended up doing that next.
1: That's good. I'm really that was good. And what did that? So. Sub- does <laughs> <is> that when, <laughs> obviously it's English it must be usually when you do that it, it, it either to books or um, kind of thing, especially yeah. poetry that kind of thing you know it's, it's quite <laughs> interesting but before yeah. before we go into that actually before we go in I just want to say to everybody who's listening thank you to supporting the podcast uh, the interviews uh, big thanks to people who I like to connect with it's Eileen Smith uh, Brent Mann uh, Benita Charles Brees, Charles is in New York she's a singer songwriter Um Brett Mann, who's in Tampa, Florida, country gospel singer. Eileen Smith, who tests lots of live uh, pro- o- online products uh, for live streaming and things like that. Uh, she's in Philadelphia. John Drummond, who did my business website and the Dublin Radio website as well. Uh, he's in Basin, Edinburgh, Ideas Go Live. and Lots of other people who support the Ramsey and the East Going On Borders web- uh, podcast and say thank you Um, as I say we're brought to you by uh, Kingdom Meads and Natural Soap by Zakia, as well so I uh, just want to say thank you for all them and as I told you, I usually play artists in my show but I've been more just because it's on the radio you'll hear the music throughout when either before or after the show but obviously we'll get back to playing some tunes in the pod, in the podcast the, the, the show down the line So, but uh, yeah let's go back to my guest Alexandra Alexandria De Leon get it right <laughs> so talk about your let's talk about your uni days so how how yeah. i mean and just the, where did that so blossom and the kind of the develop not just being not are just studying you meet people when you're studying and it takes you in different directions
0: yeah definitely i think that that really opened up my eyes a lot to um just different people and again going into that scenario and meeting people that really liked me and i was like i oh, can't i just couldn't believe it but then at the same time I was still kind of dealing with I guess past traumas and also just being like a people pleaser and kind of like wanting to like find that best friend or that person who I guess would be a replacement for like my mum or something like that so that was always kind of going lingering in the background but I think ultimately it was great to have the study because and to do well as well like I was doing pretty well um at uni and I really enjoyed it and it and it gave me, because I, I was working in retail as well alongside of it and it just gave me a little bit of like a, a glimmer of hope for, for doing something pretty amazing in the future for myself. So I think that was definitely what helped. But then when I was there actually at uni, I met um, a, a girl who became one of my best friends and she introduced me to my ex-boyfriend who I was with for like eight years, who I have my two youngest daughters with actually. So yeah, that kind of... Yeah, triggered that as well.
1: So how was, uh, obviously now, you, well, obviously he's your ex. So mm-hmm. the story behind that, was, is that a, kind of another trend thing or is it?
0: I think with him, definitely he was a person that loves me very much and who I love very much. And I think it was, he kind of showed me that actually there are decent men out there who will, are respectful, who are nice and who, and I, and he, he was initially, he was great. And I think that I wasn't used to that. And I think that's the problem that when you've gone through situations, you've gone through, you're you're looking for that because you're like, okay, when's the pe- when's the ball going to drop? Something, something's bound to happen. And I think the problem is when you do that, you run the risk of then, I guess, poking someone into doing those types of things. And it isn't because you want to be treated like that necessarily. It's just subconsciously, it's just because it's a source of comfort and you haven't, I don't think I'd ever dealt properly with, that my traumas and emotions before them. And I think that in every relationship I've had, I guess my past and all the things that I still with keeps replaying itself out. And I guess with him, I don't know. I just, I I just, I, I think I push too much, but it's, it's it takes you to tango. Um, yeah. And I think he couldn't deal with, I was really, I was really depressed during that relationship because I feel like I could finally be myself. It was someone who accepted me and appreciated me for who I was. And I'd never had that before. He was never questioning me when I went out. He was never, didn't hold me back. Like whenever I wanted to go out or do anything, he was like, yeah, like fine. And and I felt like I would always sort of push the limits a bit and maybe stay out later and and kind of do all these different things to kind of push him. Um, yeah. And then also I just feel like he couldn't deal with the depression that ensued afterwards when I was kind of relaxed and let go and breathed and was like, oh my gosh. And then kind of was like, oh my gosh, I've actually been going through a lot of stuff and so that kind of led to a lot of toxic things where i became too needy and then he became sort of enraged by me and just over it and so we'd argue a lot and it just created a lot of problems that then made me feel even more worthless than i did before so it was yeah it was
1: tough you were used to from the previous relationship you were used to just Taking the risk, but then you're you're used to the consequences, either being beaten or punched or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and but this guy wasn't. You were like, yeah, it's like, it's like punching, it's like t- poking the Russian bear almost. If the th- sort the phrase you were just kept poking, but he wasn't. Eventually, Fine. it was just the arguments because you were just used to that, and that was what was obviously deep down inside you. you just hadn't had to release it in some way. So you can, and obviously, because you're, yeah, you had to really deal with that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so what, yeah, because it's not. I mean, when you've got that kind of stuff in going on inside you, and you can't. You keep poking it, and you're never and you try and tempt because you're used to it. You're just it will drive people away, kind of thing. You know, yeah. Not, so kind of thing, but obviously, yeah, it's not a good situation to be in. And then, obviously, now you're a single mother again, technically, with,
0: yeah. with
1: three kids, which is not easy. <laughs> But, no,
0: it's
1: not. But that's... So when did you start... Once you realised that you had a lot to deal with, when did you start to deal with it? What was your process in starting to deal with all the stuff was the baggage?
0: I think initially, the, the the reason why is because I fell pregnant with my oldest daughter. And I hadn't had a... like My son, my son was eight, so there was, a, there was an eight-year gap. So I hadn't had a baby in between that. And I think just because I just... It was a lot emotionally to deal with, like, having a child and looking after that one person. So the thought of bringing another child into the world, I thought, you know, I need to... to and especially when I found out she was a little girl, not just especially, but I think I just wanted to just be someone who was inspiring to her and somebody that she could be proud of to be their mom. Not saying that I didn't want my son to be. I felt like he would have been. I felt like he had a lot. But I just felt like, I don't know, just with her, I just wanted her to to really have this sense of pride about me. Um, So I started to get help um, in terms of counselling. So that was something because I just was there was times when I would just cry and cry and I didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to interact with anyone, I just didn't find the pleasure and, and joy in every day and especially being pregnant as well. You know, it's, something, it's a life coming, you have know, to look forward to all these kind of things and I, and I just, I wasn't really happy. So, um, yeah, I went to have a counselling session and I think a lot of that sort of stuff in my past, was a, I was able to speak about everything, stuff that, you know, like beatings that happened and, and my that my counselor was like horrified was like my god that's you know when I was saying it I was saying it so casually but he was like that is terrible like you that's not okay and I think when that sort of release happened in that way just it it made me feel even more sad actually because I just thought finally like I know that that isn't the way I should be treated I should have been treated and I think that kind of made me feel really sad like and I just thought how can I now, what do I do now? How do I, what are the steps that I need to take to to make myself better? But even, I think even after having my second daughter, I still was in that place of misery and just depression and sadness because I was with someone that I just didn't connect with and was unhappy with. And it just, it. I think it took, to, took three years ago, actually, with a situation that happened to me that, Things definitely changed and drastically, and brought me to the point that I'm at now.
1: So let's uh, let's talk about the more elaborate on the point now. Could you briefly spoke at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit more of the well, the point, the point you're at now. Basically, let's talk a bit more, elaborate on it, and where you want to go, and what your kind of goals going forward.
0: Yeah, so I think so. I, I guess like three years ago, um, I broke up with my ex boyfriend nearly four years ago now and um a sexual assault happened to me as well during that time and so it was kind of like the perfect sort of storm at the time because I was going for I literally just got the job of my dreams in that year as well and all of this other stuff was happening I was drinking a lot I was feeling really suicidal it's just this this perfect cocktail of just terribleness and I think that when my ex-boyfriend left I think Because by that point, it was really toxic. So I couldn't see myself. I couldn't hear myself. I didn't. And when he left, it was that moment of silence where I was like, "Okay, actually, here's my voice. And what am I going to do about it now? Who am I? Where do I want to be? Where do I want to go? I had counseling again. And I know it can be quite hard for people because you can't afford it. Or, you know, I went through the NHS and and it was really great. And it it helped me a hell of a lot. Um, But I think I had a moment where I was drinking really heavily, and I was looking for my phone. I was like, oh, my God, I need to call someone. I don't want to be here. And I actually was like, well, no one's going to really save me. I I have to actually do this for myself. I don't – because it's sometimes when you're in that place, like you want to call people. And and probably there are people that would listen and would talk you off the ledge, but I think sometimes – I think, well, for me in that moment, I knew that I had to be the one to talk myself off the ledge. And then I was on YouTube, and I was looking through all these different – um speakers like you know Tony Robbins and like Oprah and all these different people and then I came across this one guy called um Aaron Doty who I listen to even now to this day who I really love and he was talking about I think letting go or there's something like a video like that and it it just really resonated and really stuck with me and I remember just crying 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 so much and then I just thought right okay tomorrow I'm, I'm gonna just not drink um so I, I didn't I didn't drink then I didn't drink the next day and then over a period of time I did drink and then when I felt a bit better, I was like, hey, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go for a walk. I'm going to do a bit of exercise. And I think for me, every and even now, every time, like, if I have a moment where I feel down or I get really sad, I know that once I start exercising, for me, that is that is the start of, like, me starting to, like, my mood to lift and, for me, like, feeling a lot better. So I know that – but now I know that that works now. So now, like, I, I allow myself to, like, feel the feelings and go through it if I feel sad because sometimes, like, life is crap. Sometimes – but I know, yeah, uh, no. yeah. It, 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 you
1: know, it's, it's a lot. So. I, I went through the depression myself in nineteen ninety four and ninety five for well, basically mm. two years, but it was two periods. I was on prothi- I was on tablets called Prothiadin. They don't do mm. them anymore, but they're like one hundred and fifty milligrams a night. They were strong. So the big thing is like <sighs> not knock, you out, literally. Uh yeah. so I was but two, I was on for about six months. I was nine, six months one and then I came off them but you got to with withdrawal withdrawal symptoms, then I went back on them for nine months and I knew that I would like be on reads for the rest of my life where I can get off them and I got off them and that was my turning point. But yeah, you got ups and downs, you feel you know you still get the fogginess sometimes. You get the you can know when it's you know when it's coming and you can't yeah. shake it but you just have to ride the storm in your head and then eventually it passes and you carry on. That's what you need to see to keep yourself busy. Uh, easily done. Um but yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll continue down the line, you know. You just gotta you've got to learn and learn how to deal with it when it's coming, you know? The fogginess.
0: Yeah. No, and I totally agree with that. And I and I think before that, like for years like I didn't know how to deal with that. So I was constantly crying, upset like kind of being on autopilot and not enjoying my life and like there wasn't joy in every day it was just I'm here and I was always annoyed when I too was on antidepressants and I remember just thinking like I just don't want to be dependent on this for the rest of my life I want to be able to just be okay but some people can't I mean some people need that and I understand that I think for me I just was like you I just didn't want to be on that every day and so yeah. now I mean I've gone through things recently where you know, I was with someone and then it didn't work out and I wanted it to. But then I kind of like looked at all of that and thought, OK, well, what, how can I grow from this? And I think that is poignant for me because I I, I would have just sat in misery before and just been like, oh, my God, it's my fault. To now where I'm at now, it's like I think, OK, you know what, let me write stuff down. So I think that's another thing as well that helped me out was journaling. I started like, you know, in the middle of the night when I sometimes I couldn't sleep. I would I just started writing in a journal, started just writing things out. And the over time it's become more focused. So I'll write, okay, what you're grateful for today, what things worked, what didn't work, what lessons have you learned, um, what are your big objectives and what's your plan for tomorrow. So I, I write those headings out every time. And so it gives me a bit of more focus and sometimes I have a bit of ramble when my brain's like just needs to get stuff out, which I think is good. That's right. But um yeah, and meditation as well. I started like I was saying at the beginning, I started to meditate. Um, so I'm one of those, I'm one of those people now, um, but there is, there is power in it, I think. And, um, I've been doing a lot of work on healing my inner child, which I think was really important for me to do. And really it's helped me to kind of heal a lot, um, and to look at the past and kind of get that out and to understand as well that with emotions, they're not good or bad. They're just emotions. They just come and they go. It's like even today earlier on I was really frustrated about something and now I can't even remember what that was now. So that's and that understanding now has made my life so much more joyful because I can say, Okay, you know what? That's fine. I'm not gonna beat myself up for feeling frustrated right now, just go just go with it. To now I'm just like, I don't even remember what that was. What was that? So it's yeah, I think it's just it but it, it's a practice and it's something that you have to do every day of, of something of some sort every day. Don't have to be religious with yoga every day, but but it's just it's just doing things that are for the better of yourself and your mental health every single day. Like it's a practice, like how you would go to the gym and work on your body, like how sports stars train to be the best. Like for your mind, and if you've, you've gone through trauma experiences, like you have to, have to, have to work every day at bettering your mind and your mental health.
1: Just to backtrack a little bit, can you, you I mean, what, I mean, going through the experience of people who have been, I mean, what was the sexual assault experience? Do you want to talk a bit more about that?
0: Um, So that, I mean, that happened to me when I was actually away on holiday and it was with my, I was away with my ex-boyfriend. He wasn't the person that that sexually assaulted me, but um, he was separated and it was a New Year's Eve and we were in another country on holiday and I was drunk and wasn't wearing I mean, not that it matters, but sometimes I, I always I, I think about it all the time. Like I was wearing a, a big jacket, I had on this like long sort of outfit on and leggings and shoes. Like, you know, so what about me or that situation would like it, entice that? But yet again, I internalize that as my fault. Or you were drunk, and I think that that those are the things that that will come into someone's mind if if, if a, a, an attack like that happens to them because. I guess society makes us think that and makes us believe that it's us, but actually it's the person who's who does that. It's their it's there the problem, it's their fault, it's nothing to do with you. Um, yeah, so I got lost from him and um I just went on to the wrong I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, basically, and came across this individual. Um, and yeah, things happened in that respect. And I felt like at that point that if I were to die, then that would be like, it's fine. Like I deserve this. This is, this is it now. This is my time. Like I've not lived a great life. My life's been pathetic. It's been really crap. So this is, this is pretty much how it should end up really. Um, Fortunately it didn't. And um, there was actually, it's so weird because I, I can just see it all right now in my mind. When I think about it, there was this girl that was, I didn't even know it was a girl, it was a person at the time, but later on it was a girl. She was walking up the road and I remember saying, do you know where this hotel is? That was the first thing out of my mouth. And there was no like help. There was no, there's nothing like that. And I think even at the time during, you know, the things that were happening, like I just felt like I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to breathe. I didn't want to move. I didn't want to kind of make anything. I just wanted it to just happen and just to stop And for me to be okay. But I was also just like, you just, you you panicked and you're frozen. You just, you just think people can say, oh, you know what? If if someone grabs me or someone touched me or you do this, like, honestly, there is nothing ever that can compare you for any type of situation that could involve any type of trauma. Like I don't, you can't, you just can't, you don't know what you'd ever do in that moment. So that was pretty tough. So when that she did approach and that person like got off me and I was able to just kind of... I didn't even turn around. I was just like, do you know this... I kept saying, do you know this hotel? Do you know where this hotel is? And then I said, is that—is that person gone? And she was like, yeah. And then I just collapsed on the floor. And I think from that moment, I I went into a really deep depression. I put on loads of weight afterwards because... I just ate and ate because I just didn't want anyone to find me attractive. I didn't want anyone to look at me. I just didn't want to speak to any men I hated them all at that particular time um and I just felt like I felt disgusted in myself actually I felt like it was my fault I I, like my whole life I've just this is what this was meant to happen to me because of course it would um I actually even called my mum um and I think I just in that moment I just wanted I was like a little kid and I just wanted that comfort and she said yeah these she's that's what she said to me said these these sort of things." always happened to you and i think that broke me even more that when i went home i just yeah i just i wasn't i was a shell i was even more of a shell of a person than i i ever was before right so it's quite tough so now
1: um you're still dealing with that still or are you still kind of with all the meditation and the stuff you're doing or is it
0: um i think i'm still i still i mean i can so when I think about it, I couldn't recall it so like like it was yesterday. And so sometimes those emotions kind of come back. But I deal with it so much better now. Like I, I'm not ashamed. I've like and I think that now like with my body, like I've lost weight. I don't like I'm I'm when I go out, obviously there's those moments when I'm out. I don't usually walk out. I usually get a cab home or I stay at a friend's house. Like I I like it's just it just is how I feel. Like I don't like being out at night even if it's like, I don't know, winter time and it's like six o'clock, I don't like darkness like, like that and walking on my own. Um, it's just kind of those things that sort of trigger me a little bit. I um, get triggered by seeing things happening to women. So that kind of brings things back. But apart from that, I feel like I've done a lot of work to get me to be confident now in my body and myself where I've been able to have Relation sexually with a man again, and and I've been able to be intimate with someone, and I think that that's just because I've come to a, a better place. But before, I just was like, I can't, I can't, I couldn't, I didn't want anyone near me, and so that was really tough to be in that headspace. To be here now, I'm I'm really grateful.
1: So going forward, what do you want to achieve, or do you wish, well? What's the now? I mean, the now is I mean, you're a single mother basically, and we're what what do you want to see yourself doing especially with three kids
0: yeah i mean do you know what now is really joyful and now is a really great thing i mean i i talk to my kids a lot about them you know being independent and just like you know being joyful and like I, I try and practice meditation with them as well do kids ones with them i think my thing now is just to make sure that they are really happy and self-assured and really mentally healthy confident strong individuals um, my son actually lives with his father cause he's 16 and he's, there wasn't space here. So it's just the girls and I, but I mean, apart from that and raising them, I am so ambitious about my career. Um, I am looking forward to kind of jumping into a new kind of, um, area of, uh, my profession. So that's kind of interesting to me and it's like renewing kind of a lot of passion and it's sparking ideas and excitement and fun. Um, mm-hmm. so I think for me, it's just kind of, keeping the joyful plainness of life but also working towards just ultimately always being happy. Um, which isn't mm-hmm. always the case, but it's just it's just finding the joy in every day is what I, I seek to do mostly.
1: Have you would you write a book?
0: Oh my gosh. I mean I look at my cousin and she's very inspiring. I mean I wrote a chap I wrote a chapter in her right. book. Um, but yeah, I Good. feel like I I, I could yeah I, I would I'd love to write a book could yeah you
1: tell your story
0: I could tell my story yeah I could in I think book. if if anyone could resonate with it or if anyone just kind of finds it I don't know I guess inspiring in some way or helpful then for me that's that's everything so yeah I'd love to do that.
1: There we go. Well, I think your cousin the Chanel would certainly get you kitted <laughs> out pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. If you're to <laughs> get something, then I'm. But what else do you want to do? Anything else? I mean, you've got. You've said you've studied English. You've done poetry. Yeah. What, I mean, what What's it? What are you actually doing now? What's your job now? You didn't really ask that.
0: So, so I work for a media company, um and my job is a fundraiser. So I, That's I how you kind said of that
1: you're fundraiser. Sorry.
0: Just yeah.
1: A of, a of fundraising. I'm no. that. I, yeah, um, but I
0: want to move into digital, like digital media, digital marketing. Like, I want to move into that lane so that's what i'm working towards right now is i'm i'm finding my avenue to get there so yeah that's my next sort of steps really i would be
1: good well let's hopefully well let's hopefully through this book that you've chapter in the book with your cousin chanel might lead to that avenue down the line if yeah not, hopefully get your book physically out a whole book out physically it's a challenge for you there
0: yeah, well she's, I mean my cousin's got her own little publishing company So I might have to tap her up and be like, Mace rates, come on
1: <laughs> I'll, buy, I'll buy a packet of cheese and onion crisps and a Mars bar That's the best I can afford Exactly For those in America, that's a bag of cheese and onion chips and a Mars bar You know what a Mars well, bar is <laughs> Just Yeah, the best. basically You can haggle a bit <laughs> hey, it says it because it's the London Haggle. <laughs> anyway.
0: Exactly. <Del> boy. <laughs>
1: exactly. I anyway, come my Trotter van. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where can people connect with you who might want to connect with you to maybe who have been through, basically what you've been through, yeah. uh, with you to chat or to whatever?
0: So they can connect with me on Instagram, where all the cool kids are. Um, So it's at Lexi L E X I DeLeon D E L E O N.
1: Okay. And what else?
0: No, that's it. That's my. I mean, I've got Facebook, but I don't really go on Facebook anymore, really. So my the place you can really catch catch me is definitely IG for sure.
1: Okay, Instagram. We can have that link in the other link in the show notes of the podcast. uh, when it goes out for it, so you can connect, and maybe if you've been through this similar t- scenario, you can connect and hopefully have a chat, and maybe you can do a either do a collaboration book or whatever. Mm. Who knows? So, um I mean, there's have you ever been to have you have been up to Edinburgh before? You've been up this week.
0: I have, I have. I went to Edinburgh for a Hindu, and I love the place, and I need to mm. go back because obviously, like you know, there's talk about J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter and stuff like that. So there are kind of when you go around there are places that kind of like are reminiscent of that so that was amazing well, but just not just that but just the buildings just the whole area is just it, i fell in love with it so i have to come back for sure
1: i live a 10 minute walk from her house literally. Oh, what? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, what? literally 10 minutes from where she lives
0: oh my god yeah. okay well yeah. nice then i said hello next time
1: Okay, I used to, I used to live in the, the area she lives in I used to live there. So I'm in the, it's not far from where I am, so I would walk out my I'd walk out I'm about probably about ten well probably just ten minutes to walk, but of driving without any traffic, it's about mm. five. So A brisk walk. Wow,
0: that's so
1: nice. So I know where she lives. <laughs> <laughs> uh so that's where yeah, so I live uh yeah, so that's where uh, just down the road from me. So it's just, and basically
0: neighbors. My God, wow! I
1: think I did actually walk past. I think I walked. Well, I did actually walk past her once because I was it was a nice day. It was when lockdown it was the middle of lockdown. And I went for a walk towards the beach. Cause I'm not far from a bit beach, beach, and I think I walked past. Walked past with her partner, her husband. So, it uh, wasn't quite. Yeah, I realised it was her after a while, kind of thing. So what their dogs. So. But uh, yeah, so I'm not far from there. But I've also been encouraging your cousin Chanel to regarding the Edinburgh Book Festival in August, which should be ideal for her. So.
0: Oh my lovely. god! Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, so there's lots that she could uh, certainly t- tap into. But anything she's she sees to come over here, she's sorted. come and see you. Pop up. Both of you pop up to Edinburgh. You're laughing. Exactly. There we
0: go. I'd love that. There
1: we go, and you I can. uh yeah.
0: I'll it. tap her up for that I'll ask
1: her <laughs> I'll, I'll publish a book love if you give me free accommodation <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah see
0: that's a trade off there you go
1: There we go exactly <laughs> She'll listen <laughs> to this and be going right okay what the heck <laughs> <laughs> any, um, any final words you want to say at all
0: um, Yeah definitely I think for anyone who is In a you know an abusive Relationship or who has been through any types of trauma, I just want you to know that it's not your fault and that you can have a really good, full and better life. You just have to keep fighting and keep fighting for yourself and keep holding on. But, yeah, it's possible. And I feel like I'm living proof of that for sure.
1: There we go. Bingo. Well, I just want to say thanks to Alex Alexandria uh, for coming on the show. And uh, as I say, got more uh, great guests coming up uh, on, going forward. Thanks to Chanel for connecting; she's a machine, literally, <laughs> just connects yeah. with lots of people. And I'm thinking, ah, can I keep up? But it's all good. But it gives me great content uh, for people for the show, but also for people to be inspired in some way or form going forward and uh, to be able to and just hear real life, true gritty stories of. Uh, Zero to hero, basically, scenarios. So, thank you for being in the show. Hopefully, you're not scarred for life. So,
0: thanks for having me. No, it was great, it was fun. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, but, um, yeah, as I say to everybody who's listening until next time, we'll be back on government Radio, uh, podcast as well. Uh, you can listen to the the show when it goes out 8 30 on, on a Friday. Uh, you can listen Streamer to the website, or you can listen on Alexa as well. Um, to just say play double mint radio and it will happen um so you're okay there but to everyone who is yeah have a great week it's the weekend and uh, we'll speak to you all soon